Hi, this is Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried, the podcast where I interview single Christians about their lives and faith. Here we are at episode eight. Welcome. Today, I'm sitting down with Christina Spatero. Christina is a Bronx native. She is a child psychotherapist, and she loves old movies. You're going to hear stories from Christina about growing up in the Bronx, growing up with physical challenges, advocating for yourself and others in relationships, how difference builds empathy, and the value of limitations. I particularly appreciate how honest Christina is about some really challenging experiences. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Christina. Hi, Christina. Welcome. Hi, Mary B. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited for our conversation. Me too. Very excited. For a lot of reasons. <laughs> One of which being you are actually a native New Yorker. Yes, I am. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a unique thing until I started coming to Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan because I'd grown up in the Bronx. I was born, raised there my whole life. So most of the people I grew up with, most of us were native New Yorkers. So it wasn't right. until I started coming to Manhattan mm-hmm. that, you know, I'd go to like these functions, be like, I've been in New York. How long people have been in New York? Five years, 10 years. And I'd be like, since birth. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, you know, so many people come here like to make their mark and, you know, that whole Frank Sinatra song, if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. Right, right. But for me, there never was that thing. My mother gave birth here. <laughs> so pretty much she gave birth, she stayed, I stayed. And right. then, you know, my whole life was here. I went to college here, then I got a job here. So it wasn't like I had a grand design. Yes, I'm going to make my mark. It's just... This is my hometown. Yeah, Yeah, this is my hometown. So you grew up in the Bronx. Yes. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that experience, maybe of like community and relationships up Um, there? The Bronx is interesting. Like everybody talks about, like some people who have come to New York, who've moved here, talk about like the energy of the city science is like too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bronx is still part of New York, or people don't right. always realize that. There are right. five boroughs in New York. Yes. It's not just Manhattan. Right. <laughs> it's the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island, and Manhattan make up the five boroughs. Right, right. Um, so the thing is, I noticed the energy in the Bronx is different from Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that same intensity. We have a yeah. different intensity. We got some intensity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't <laughs> and, think anyone would like doubt that the Bronx yeah. is an intense place. <laughs> yes, but it, it is different. But it's a different. It's, yeah, it's a for different. Sure. Uh, it's a different vibe. And then sometimes, even like if I'm going someplace like Times Square, sometimes I even find that a bit much. Yeah. So it is a different sense. And then also just a lot of the people there, you know, usually a lot of them are native New Yorkers mm-hmm. or kind of just, so again, it's a little less of like, I'm some big potentate who's now traveling to Manhattan or I'm mm-hmm. some big mogul. It's, it's a, it is a different feel, different vibe. Although you have ordinary people in Manhattan too. Yeah. So, it, but it is different. I think you maybe get a little bit more um, of that international. Although what I love about the Bronx is it's so multicultural. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, I remember when um, Redeemer was having like these, this was several years ago, they were having these things on like multiculturalism and understanding mm-hmm. other cultures. Because, you know, a lot of people who were going to Redeemer are were from Manhattan or from like this, maybe a specific socioeconomic group. Mm, yeah. But I grew up in the Bronx. Right. So I actually wasn't as from that group as other people. So mm-hmm. like my 
elementary school classes, my junior high classes, just people of all cultures everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. So I grew up in this wonderful place where I could just know people from all kinds of different backgrounds. Mm. And it was just enriching to me. Yeah. And then also, you know, I am Christian. I do believe in Christ. But at the same time, I recognize that there are other people with different beliefs and stuff that I have. Like, I think that's the great thing about probably for you growing up in a place like the Bronx or, I mean, I have friends who grew up in Queens, which mm-hmm. is oh, yeah. the, to- oh. the most diverse place. Oh, yes. They on say, Earth. Yes, they say yeah. if you ride the seven, you pretty much will see every culture within yeah. that ride from yeah, top absolutely. to bottom. Absolutely. So, like, growing up surrounded by that, obviously it's not... The neighborhoods aren't immune to this sort of, oh, like, yeah. prejudice and hate just because they're diverse. But I think that there is, um, you know, a benefit to growing up being surrounded by people who would, in other parts of the country, be qualified as an other. Yes, exactly, um, yeah. exactly. Because, you know, I really feel like God doesn't want there to be an other. Mm. He really wants yeah. all of us. And that's really the whole message of it, mm. that he really wants us all. Like, Because maybe even Jesus even said he even, when Jesus made the message in terms of basically people who we felt were hypocrites, mm-hmm. like they were going and they were claiming and all to like, you know, be religious and follow the rules and the laws. But at the same time, mm-hmm. he saw the hypocrisy. Mm. You know, and the whole parable of like the Good Samaritan and all that. The whole idea of that being mm-hmm. that you're not above anybody else. Yeah. You're not. Yes, God is above you, yeah. but you're not above anybody else. Well, and God is above <laughs> you, but he, like, Jesus came to our level, exactly. right? Became a man. Exactly. And, and, you know, so we really have no excuse. We have I mean, zero even though excuse. I do it all the time. Exactly. And right? he, like, he was actually really have no excuse. willing to give up his power, willing mm. to give up so much to show his love. Yeah. So if he's willing to do all that for us messed up people, mm-hmm. then why are we so unwilling or why do we find it so hard? Yeah. To let go a little bit of that pride and judgment yeah. to invite people in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you've you've um spoken a little bit about prejudice just now. Um and difference, right? Yes. You had growing up kind oh, of this experience yes. of feeling I felt a little bit d- different. Yes. Well, to lead back to your wonderful series on unsuitable, <laughs> I basically felt Unsuitable, or I liked you had made a definition where you said you to feeling like we're not fit in or mm, that we're not mm-hmm. that somehow we don't belong. Right. You kind of, you know, equated it with that. And I definitely felt that way because see, when I was born, I was a premature baby. Mm-hmm. So I was very lucky because it could have been worse, mm-hmm. but I was deprived of oxygen for a brief period. And in that time I did suffer damage that resulted in um, having motor issues with my entire left side. So it affected my walking. Mm -hmm. It affected the appearance of my hand because I have this hyperextension because I have something called tubal palsy. Mm -hmm. So basically that's where, you know, I have muscles that are like fused Mm -hmm. that I have a hard time moving because the, the part of the brain that would say, do that <laughs> yeah, right. was affected. Yeah. So then you have other muscles that kind of took over. So I have like this hyperextension in my hand where I have like a permanent um, double joint in my hand, mm-hmm. in my left hand. So people will look and say, that's really cool. How do you do that? And I'm like, 
This is not by choice. <laughs> right, right. Pretty much this is the resting state of my hand. Yeah. So I did not choose that. Mm. Um, and because although, although, like I said, I'm very grateful because there are people with CP who have been in wheelchairs. And oh, because yeah. it affects the motor skills, the motor ability, some people can't speak well. Mm. Um, aside from my lapses in, as I'm trying to think of what to say, <laughs> as you can see, I can speak. <laughs> but some people with like, it actually does affect yeah, the yeah. ability to right. produce speech. Mm-hmm. So like I have a friend where they are very intelligent, but because of that, it's, they have a hard time getting the words out mm-hmm. in a way that most people find appropriate. Right. So they will all not see that there, there isn't a cognitive issue there. It's a motor issue. Right. So that's been part of, you know, and I always tell people, God gave me enough of a touch mm-hmm. to sort of be aware of stuff, but not enough to really impact what he wanted me to do with my life. Yeah. But it does make me notice stuff. Like it makes me notice how certain buildings are not handicapped accessible. Yeah. How even when they have a railing, it's designed in such a way that if you actually have to use the railing to climb the steps, it's not too convenient to do that. Yeah. Or like the, the little ledge there between the door and the steps is too close. Mm-hmm. So if I'm using the railing to climb up, I can't kind of open the door and still hold the railing without knocking myself in the head, which mm. kind of defeats the whole purpose. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. you know, like, what do I do with this? Yeah. So when I was younger, it was very hard for me because you don't want to be different. Yeah. You want to be like everybody else. Right. And even though I did grow up in this very multicultural environment, most of the people I grew up with had, you know, two capable legs. Right. And didn't struggle walking. So mm-hmm. if a friend had a rooftop birthday party with a narrow staircase, it wasn't a big deal. It was cool. Like, but for me, it was a nightmare. Yeah. So I either had to figure out a way to get up there, petrified as I'm climbing this thing, mm-hmm. or bag out on the party. And yeah. especially when you're a teenager, that stuff is hard yeah. because... You worry so much, well, what people think of me, or I'm not like everybody else, when mm. I'll be accepted. And there really is, especially when you're a younger teenager, you want to be accepted so badly. Yeah. You want to be normal mm. so badly. And it's funny because I, my, in my work, I'm a child psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. And so many of the kids I work with, you know, I ask them how they're feeling. So I feel normal. I'm like, I just have to object to that word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's yeah, no yeah. such thing as normal. Right. We all are whoever we are. Right. But I want to know how you're feeling emotionally. And so, but that's really what it is when you're younger. Mm. You want to feel normal, yeah. quote, like everybody else. And so when something doesn't make you feel like that, it's hard. So I always felt my whole life unsuitable. Mm. Like I didn't fit in anywhere. Yeah. Like I didn't belong. Mm. And it was weird because my disability wasn't as severe as others. Mm-hmm. I didn't really fit in anywhere because I had for a while, they had me doing a special bus with a matron because the bus steps were hard for me to climb. Mm-hmm. But some of the kids I rode the bus with were much more like cognitively and physically impaired than right. I was. And then I was in a regular classroom with children who didn't have any physical issues. So it was this weird in-between hmm. where I didn't fit in with the kids with the, dis- quote, disabilities, but I didn't really fit in with the kids who, you know, so I didn't know where I fit. Yeah. And it was really, really hard. And especially when I was younger, I felt very self-conscious. Mm. I really felt like I didn't belong. I was totally unsuitable. I was like this weird person. Mm. 
And I was extremely shy and it was really hard for me in relationships. I mean, I was very grateful there were people who, you know, were kind and sympathetic as I struggled with things. But a lot of times I did feel very alone, very lonely. Mm. Um, And as I got older, I think one of the benefits (laughs) of getting older, Mm -hmm. of not being a teenager, Mm -hmm. of, you know, being over 30, I think one of the benefits of that is you get comfortable in your own skin in a way that you're not when you're younger. Mm -hmm. You still want to fit in, but it's not this, oh my God, what if this person doesn't like me or that happens? You still feel bad, but it's different. You kind of have this wisdom that kind of comes in here. Like, you know, all those adults that told you when you were 16, sweetie, this will pass. You rolled your eyes them saying, what do you know? And then when you suddenly older, you're like... Oh my God, they were right. <laughs> this wasn't the end of the world. Yeah, right. I thought it was, but apparently it wasn't because you start to realize there are actually other problems in life yeah. that don't concern, that aren't as terrible. And there are other problems in life that are worse. Right. So this problem you're having, mm-hmm. it's not the worst that's going to be. Right. And it's, but you can't see that when you, because also develop, from a developmental standpoint, yeah. they've done the research. Right. When the kids are like, when you're in your teens and even early twenties, you're um, caught, I think the, um, like the frontal lobe is not completely developed. Right. Right. There's still issues with planning and seeing like consequences. And there's still a level of impulsivity, mm-hmm. which explains why a lot of people who are teenagers will do, I'm not saying that there's still a lot of wonderful, fabulous, Right. You know, responsible teens, but right. they will more likely um, tend to be more impulsive on things because there isn't a, that f- that planning understanding isn't fully developed yet. So yeah. there is a developmental aspect to that, um, but it's just it is interesting. You mm-hmm. do kind of see what, and I find as I'm older, I'm more able also to be more of a self advocate mm-hmm. for myself. Where when I was younger. I was so afraid to draw attention mm. to the disability. But like, right. So I either would like pretend it wasn't an issue or like avoid something. And now I'd be like, you know what? Let people know. That's going to be a problem for me. Is there way I can get help with that? So I'm much more of a self-advocate yeah. now than I was when I was younger. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I don't still have my moments where I feel unsuitable. I of mean, course. this world, this media, if you don't fit into the cookie cutter yep. mode and look... Yeah. You start to wonder, well, who am I? Do I fit in? Am yeah. I really suitable? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a lot of interesting points there um, as far as, one, learning to advocate for yourself in um, your relationships and in just going about in life because New York is not the best place for someone who has physical challenges in a lot of ways. I mean, there are... Just because the buildings are so old and mm-hmm. re- the code requirements for keeping things like ADA, um, uh, you know, up to date with all of the ADA, you know, regulations, um, it's just different. If there's, um, you obviously know a lot more about this than yes. I do, as I'm trying to stumble <laughs> through an explanation of this. But, but just you know, the way New York is, there's you know a lot of the subway stations don't necessarily have elevators. That is true, and, and the ones that do aren't working. Ones that do aren't working. <laughs> and, you know, it's just it, it's very difficult. It and, is. It is. Um, but at the same time, you know, you were talking about 
people who would invite you to these rooftop parties and not necessarily think about how difficult it would be for you to get up and down and then putting you in the position of having to say, actually, that's going to be really hard for me. Right. You know, there's like this element, I think, of in relationship, you know, how willing are we to be inconvenienced for each other Yes, and have to alter our plans for the benefit of someone else. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think people intentionally are selfish and uncaring. I think people just don't think of it. Right. I think the same thing with the buildings. I think New York is not bad in terms of a lot of buildings are handicapped accessible, Mm -hmm. but I feel like a a lot of it has to do with who is going to be in that building, Mm -hmm. who are they going to be servicing, who's involved with it. Right. Like I said, Unless people have experience with something or really thinking about it, mm-hmm. I don't think it touches them. I mean, yeah. I, it won't. Right. It won't. Like I tell people all the time, I have, I've been touched in this way, so I will notice things people won't. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Constantly. And people just don't think about it. Yeah. And my heart is so touched because I, when I, when a friend actually does consider that, like I don't even have to, like some of my really close friends, mm. I don't even have to mention it to them anymore. Oh yeah. Like they get it. And yeah. I love that so much. Like I got together with a friend the other week and they were going to go to this restaurant, um, this Indian restaurant. And you know how some places like you have to go down like these stairs and all that. Right. So my friend actually asked the group, well, are there stairs there? Because, you know, Christina might have a hard time. And I love that she asked that. Yeah. I love that I didn't have to ask that. Yeah. That she knew me, loved me, and didn't want me to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and I think part of um, relationships is learning to advocate for each other. Yes. It's being an advocate for each other so you're not consistently putting that friend in the position of having to have that same conversation over and over and yes, over again. Exactly. I mean, like if you think about, I have a friend who, you know, several friends who have food allergies, um, which is, you know, you have to think about when mm-hmm. you're making plans, like, okay, is there going to be something on this menu that this so-and-so can, can eat? eat? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I think it, it breeds a different level of empathy for you to experience those limitations, but also to, um, be around people who have different limitations from you because we all have certain limitations. I mean, mostly, right. It's, it is also a bit of a privilege issue. Um, right. Being, having physical disabilities or physical challenges, sorry. Um, versus being more able-bodied. And so Mm -hmm. to have those relationships where you, um, your friends are having their eyes open to, this whole other set of complications that they aren't necessarily aware of all the time. Right. Absolutely. Is part of, I think, a really good thing that relationships and community can bring about. Yes, I agree. I agree. And I think part of that is just being vulnerable with each other. Yeah. Letting each other know what we need. Yeah. And just having these, um, forming these relationships. Yeah. So that we know we don't feel like we don't fit in, that we're an unsuitable, that, you know, the realizing that we all have our own individual differences. Right. And we all are unique in God's eyes. Right. And I think that's another part of it too. Like where before, where I would see any differences I had as, oh, why can't I just be like everybody else? Mm. And then I realized, but I am loved. Mm. By, by God. I am yeah. made by him. Right. So I am not unsuitable. 
Right. I am part of this tapestry of humanity yeah. that has so many different layers and yeah. people and just just to embrace that. Yeah. That we're not all supposed to be the same. It'd be pretty right. boring if we were. Right. You know, like there was a Twilight Zone episode where the whole premise of it was there was the society where they actually made everybody had to be the same. Yeah. And there was one girl that fought against it mm. and wanted to stay different. Yeah. And in the end, they got her. But the whole point is, how boring a world is that? Yeah. Where we'd all be the same? Mm. Do we really want that? Right. Well, and it's, you know, as as Christians, as Christ followers, especially, I think, we have to think about how are we defining unsuitable? Exactly. Right? Because we're not looking at it through Christ's eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes we're defining it through worldly eyes and worldly eyes define unsuitable as, or suitable, I should say, um, as power, as Mm -hmm. privilege, as, you know, looking a certain way, fitting the, whatever we think the ideal is. And so anything that falls out of that, outside of that, we define as unsuitable. And yet in the kingdom of God, those are the most suitable. Yes. The ones who don't have the power, the ones who are not you know, in the eyes of the world, suitable. Yes. Right? That's, you know. Yeah, exactly. I think that there's like a really powerful way of experiencing God's grace in our, when we come up against our human limitations, that if you don't have that limitation, you don't necessarily experience in the same way. It's true. It's true. And I think he wants us to have those challenges because he wants us to grow spiritually. Yeah. You know, we definitely have our time <laughs> in the desert where we're struggling. And mm-hmm. he wants that because the times when we have struggled and we have gone through things, it makes us richer human beings. Yeah, absolutely. In richer in the non-monetary right, sense. Right, right, right. But spiritually <laughs> right, richer. Exactly. And psychologically richer, yes, emotionally richer. Exactly. Yeah, not for, yeah. <laughs> got it. Absolutely. Um, so was there a, um, a particular moment or... Was it just kind of a gradual thing for you stepping into this sense of advocating for yourself, this sense of worthiness, this sense of, I mean, I'm sure it's something that we all have to continue to do daily, but it seems like there was a a point where you kind of turned a corner or at least started advocating for yourself more in this. I think growing up did that. Yeah. (laughs) I think pretty much growing up did that. I think, you know, I mean, I think God has always been constantly redefining me. Yeah. And make, making me braver mm-hmm. as I go. Because I was so shy when yeah. I was younger um, and so apologetic. I was practically oh, yeah. apologizing for my existence. Mm. Um, if, if somebody stepped on my toe, I'd apologize for my foot being in the way. I right. mean, it was just this constant sense of feeling like there was something I was unworthy. I was wrong. And I think, well, a big part of it was um, my beloved late mother, she was always very loving, mm. very devoted. Mm-hmm. Um, she made me feel like just so loved and so wanted. And anytime I was down on myself, she would be right there to say, no, honey, Mm -hmm. I love you just the way you are. So I feel like that definitely helped deal with those growing pains. And I Mm -hmm. think getting older and I think also having to deal with her illnesses Mm -hmm. because she became ill. Right. And then I had to deal with many years of that. So I mm. think that unfortunately did define me in many ways mm. because then my life became about I'm dealing with life and death 
literally. I'm dealing with the person I love more than anything in this world struggling. So she wasn't my strong, independent mother anymore. She was a woman who was struggling with severe illness. And I Mm -hmm. had to be strong for her. And in learning to be strong for her, I learned to be strong for myself. Wow. Yeah, it's it's um it's so cool how you were able to turn the tables where you had it sounds like you had a series of relationships, you know, kind of growing up where there were people coming alongside you, there were people who were kind and, and empowering for you. Mm-hmm. Um and then when you were in a position where you got to be the caretaker, um you were able to then return the favor as as it were. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I have to also say working with kids in trauma did a lot of that too, Mm. because then I would work with kids who had tremendous problems, like Mm. really hard lives. I mean, the one thing is now when people complain about little stuff and everybody has their limit of what they can handle, but I'm always like, really? That's your biggest problem? (laughs) I have a five-year-old who's coped with more stuff than you are. Like, get a grip. Um, So I think the combination... Hmm. of working with kids in trauma, of hmm. dealing with my mother's illnesses. I think all, and they all kind of happened at the same time Yeah, because I really, uh, I was doing my heavy trauma work around the same time my mom started having health issues. Okay, So the two things kind of happened at the same time. Hmm. <laughs> so it, it forced me to grow up a lot. Yeah. It really did. I mean, I was getting older chronologically, but it definitely forced me to grow up. Yeah. And see the world differently. Mm. And yes. And like you said, return the favor because now this amazing woman Mm. who basically was always there for me, I had to figure out a way to make this work for her. And that was not easy. Yeah. Well, and for the kids that you work with as well, kids who are vulnerable in some way, um, being able to be that voice for them. Yes. That hears their trauma, hears their struggles and their worries and you know, provides them with that being an advocate for them in the sense of I'm here for your emotional and mental and spiritual well-being. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I absolutely. So as being an advocate for them and for my mom, I had to learn to speak up. So when you speak up for people, you start speaking up for yourself. Yeah. It kind of goes together. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a really interesting thing I've noticed in myself as well is that being introverted myself, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I don't necessarily, I get really uncomfortable having to speak up for myself, but Mm -hmm. if I have to speak up for someone else, I'll do it in a heartbeat. Of course. Right. It's like, no, no, no. Make this accommodation (laughs) for this person. This is my friend who I want to take care of, who I care for, who I love. Um, and so it's, it's nice that that, you know, kind of seeped into your, self, your, your self-esteem and your self-worth as well. Yeah. That you are a person who is worthy of having things accommodated for you. Right. That, because that's, you know, you know, I think about the parable, like the different parables of like the lost sheep and the lost coin. And you know, that, that, um, Christ is the one who's going to go after the one sheep. He's going to go after the one coin, you know, he's gonna go out of his way to like, heal this man who's on the side of the road, who's screaming for Jesus to heal him. And everyone's like, be quiet. Don't bother him. Don't leave him alone. But Jesus goes to that man. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's such a a power in, in, um, getting to a place where you have that sense of worth 
that you can, that you know is worth fighting for. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think it's great when you can get to that place. I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely have my moments. Oh my gosh. Yes, we all do. And I, you know, and it is hard when you are shy, when you are an introvert, there is that tendency to shut down. Yeah. There really is. Yeah. Especially when you're feeling emotionally threatened. Yeah. Like I get that. Yeah. I get like that. I, I call it the deer caught in headlights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, when people are coming at me right. and I'm feeling attacked, right. I like shut down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> shut down big time. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, and sometimes people get mad at me because I'm not giving it back. And I'm like, you don't understand. I can't. Right. <laughs> you can come in at me. I'm going to go further in. Right, right. So you you, um, you got to back off. What is it? Fight, flight, or freeze? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there's definitely a, that freeze. A, yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. There's that um, kind of paralysis that comes over you. Because you're, I think, I mean, I probably shouldn't. I don't have a psycho- psychological background that's at okay. all, um, so you're going to have to fact check me if I say anything <laughs> that's incorrect. It's okay. Um, but, you know, I feel like for certain people, maybe if you're a little bit more empathetic or a little bit more sensitive, you know, that kind of overwhelming, yes, sen- you know, it just definitely. floods it does. your brain and you, it just, your brain's like, nope, not yep, doing this anymore. I'm shutting down. Nope. You're not getting anything else from me. That's it. I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's like really overwhelming for yeah, some people. And it is. It your is. response is like, yeah, well, that, and that's another way that we can accommodate for each other, right? Is if you know that about your friend, right. you're like, okay, I can't come at this yes, person in exactly. that way. This I need to like approach them. This you is know. not going to be helpful. Right. For <laughs> anyone. Right. Nothing about this is going to be productive. Right. It's not going to be productive. I need to find a different tack, back off, because yeah. I'm not going to get what I think I'm going to get from this. Yeah. But it's funny, because to do that, though, you need to have a little empathy. Um, yeah. Some people don't always have empathy. I yeah. definitely think there are people, because they talk about emotional intelligence, and mm. I think there are people that have an issue with that yeah, and don't necessarily have the empathy where they can really feel where somebody's coming from. Yeah. So I think they struggle with that and they have a hard time being able to understand, okay, I need to stop this. Cause some people can only think, oh, it's like that line from Mary Poppins. Some people through no fault of their own can't see past the end of their nose. Mm. And it's true. I'm a movie buff too. So sometimes I just start quoting movies. <laughs> That's fine. That's great. But uh, I think it's true. Sometimes people have a hard time seeing past the end of their own nose. So yeah. they don't understand. And then it becomes almost like, like it's, it's about them. Mm. But I need this from you. I need you to do this. But they don't understand that the manner in which they're forcing it at you yeah. is not going to get them what they want. And mm. it actually is pushing you further away. Yeah. So you, they need to stop, but they don't know how to stop. And they want to keep coming at you and coming at you. So you know what? You keep doing that. I'm going to keep backing off and yeah. you're going to get less and less what you want. Now, most people... Most of my good friends, people who've been there for me, they get that. But unfortunately, yeah. I definitely have had people in my life who did not get that. Mm. And their modus operandi was just to keep trying to attack me until I bent to their will. Mm. And that doesn't work on no. multiple levels. Number one, it makes me shut down. Number two, I am my mother's daughter, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I love my mother dearly. She was a very tough woman, yeah. um, very independent, yeah. very strong willed. Yeah. The surest way to not 
not get what you want from her is to tell her she had to do it. Oh, yeah. Like, the more you would force her, yeah. those little heels were going to dig in, and yep. she's like, like well, yeah. I'm never doing this <laughs> I'm now. I'm never doing yep. it. <laughs> That's if, exactly. Yeah. Yep, I feel that. Yeah, even yeah. if what you're saying makes total sense, now it's so not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so that part I got from... So I think it's a combination of the intro version, me, you know, having a hard time getting overwhelmed. And I think that other part of my, the part of my mother be like, mm-hmm. nope, not happening. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you phrase it as, as not being able to see past the end of your nose. I mean, I know it's a quote, but you chose the quote. So yes. we'll say you phrased it that way. Um, <laughs> yes. um, it, it's interesting that you phrase it that way, because I think that there's also an element of an extreme lack of like honest self-awareness yes, in that as well, absolutely, right? Absolutely. And so you can't see past the end of your nose, but you also can't like see deep within yourself, Yes, right? And there's probably a lot of stuff in there that you haven't had to confront. Oh yeah. And there's, and, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I feel like that frequently when we find those kinds of dysfunctions mm-hmm. where someone just cannot be empathetic, yes. it's because there's something really deep in there yes, that I is agree. just ingrained and you can they are just taking it out completely yeah. unwilling, right. un- unknowingly. I think there is an unconscious element that I get to psychological. I think oh, there absolutely. is an unconscious element where there is something in there that they're dealing with. A lot of times it's fear-based, I think. Yeah. I think it's their anxiety. It's their fear. Right. And they need this to happen in the way they need it to happen. Yeah. Because it's a control thing. Yeah. It's a control thing. Absolutely. You know, as you and I have discovered, we have zero control in this world. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> no control at all. No. Uh, Only so, the illusion of control illusion. over some things. Yes. The, yes. And that's the point. I love the way you say that. The illusion of control yeah. over some things. Yeah. So the problem is the world is pretty scary. So I think yeah. for a lot of people, if they feel like they can control what's happening, yeah. it gives them a sense of safety. But, mm-hmm. the, but the problem is you can't. You can't yeah. control circumstance. You can't control people. Yeah. And the more they try to control it and the more they can't, yeah. the more out of control they feel, the more anxious they feel, the more they try to grip and grab. Yeah. It's like a drowning person that's trying to drown the rescuer by holding on too tight and yeah. shoving them under the water. Yeah. You can't do that. But again, they don't have the self-awareness to fully understand it. A lot of it's unconscious. It's all this deep stuff they haven't yeah. really dealt with. Yeah. And so they're dealing with it, but not in a way that's going to benefit even them. But they don't right. see that. Right. Because that stuff's going to come out. Oh, yeah, totally. It's going to... like you're body and your brain and your heart, all of it, it's going to find a way to creep out one way or another. Absolutely. Um, and so it's just a matter of, okay, can I like become aware of this so that maybe I can like make peace with it or channel it in a more effective direction? Right. Yeah. But I think part of the problem is that people aren't even aware it's going on. Exactly. So you don't understand how to channel yeah. it and make peace with it because you're yep. not aware it's going on. Yeah. Yep. That's something that I've um, learned um, just as far as in my own relationships and in what my expectations for the people in my life are, for the people that I interact with mm-hmm. are. Because um, it can be very challenging. I just like... I'm just an like obsessive overthinker. I just think all the time about everything and like every single little tiny thing. Um, and so it's it's been an interesting process to accept that not everyone is 
like that. And nope. in a lot of ways, that's a good thing. In mm-hmm. some ways, that's a good thing that, you know, not everyone is walking around as fretful as I right. am. But, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think it goes back to what we said, how we're all different. Yeah. And that's okay. We all going to have different emotional reactions. Mm. And it goes back to what is suitable. Mm. Is my emotional reaction more suitable than yours? Or is your emotional reaction or your way of handling things more suitable than mine? Yeah. Or are both of our ways uniquely suitable to who we are and to who God made us? Mm. So that's the, really, I think, what we have to come to, that we have to respect and understand that we are different. Yeah. And that's okay. And it doesn't make us unsuitable. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here. Um, Before we close out, um, would you tell me one thing that's hard and one thing that's great? One thing that's really hard, as I alluded to before, is that I recently lost my beloved mother. Mm. And that has been so hard. Um, I don't care if you're three or 30. When you lose a parent, it is so primal. Yeah. And even though she'd been sick for a while and I was helping take care of her, my world became less safe when she left it. Yeah. Um, my world got upended when she left it. Mm-hmm. And even though I have dealt with depression with clients, this is mm-hmm. the first time I've had to deal with my own depression mm-hmm. and really had to deal with how crippling it can be, yeah. how devastating it can be. And you really, you're not yourself. Yeah. And you try to go along and you try to live your life and you realize... <laughs> I'm hurting yeah, <laughs> and I have to just own it and deal with it. And mm. sometimes society won't always let you deal with it because yeah. you have, still have to move on. You have to live, you go to work, but part of you doesn't want to. Yeah, Part of you is just, this is hurting so bad. Mm. And I've never felt pain like this in my entire life. Mm. You know, it definitely grief is something that comes at you with waves. I yeah. Mean, this morning I was crying. I just had my moment where I was crying and crying. I nearly called you to say, I'm not sure I could do this today because mm. I'm having a very emotional moment. But then I kind of came back and I was yep. okay. I'm going to do this. And that's how grief is. It's yeah. just, it comes at you in waves and you start feeling it and you start feeling the pain and you know, you just have to deal with it. Mm. And it's hard. It's really hard. So that's the hardest thing that I'm going through mm. right now. The best thing is I am very blessed to have wonderful friends in my life Mm. who have really been there for me during this time. They haven't judged me Mm. when I needed to just be in that place. Sometimes I just needed to be sad. But at the same time, they've also checked on me and be like, how are you doing? What are you Mm. doing today? You're not just going to sit there and cry, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to do something else today, right? Mm -hmm. So they have been wonderful, like supportive and encouraging and just, what do you need? And I'm there for you. And Mm. so while I'm dealing with this horrible pain, I've been very blessed to have really great friends that have Mm. just been there for me. Yeah. Well, Christina, thank you so much for sharing all of that and for being here. Uh, And thank you for having me, Mary B. And thank you for whoever's listening to this. I hope you enjoyed it. And you weren't wishing you were doing something else like listening to that audio book you've been putting off. Uh. (laughs) I hope you found this interesting. I hope you found it entertaining. And I hope it helps you in some way. Well, it definitely helped me. Okay, good. So thank you for that. You're very welcome, Mary B. Thank you for the time. That's all for episode eight. Check back next week for the final interview of season two. I'll be talking to Sean Oates about his experience growing up in a predominantly white community. Trust me, you won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks to Christina for her vulnerability and for trekking all the way to Midtown to record. Theme music is by Chad Rowlinson and sound editing is by Andrew Kim. If you have any thoughts or want to engage on this topic further, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or go to my website, maryvsafrit.com. While you're there, feel free to subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get an email from me every other Wednesday with an exclusive message and direct access to content and resources I think you'll love. You can also shoot me a message by clicking on contact me. And you can always head over to Instagram and follow me at maryb.saferit. That's all for now. Check back next week for a brand new episode.